How's it going? I'm a little scared. Hopefully this doesn't, uh, was that me? Can I, am I breathing on this? I mean, I know I'm breathing, but I'm just like. Hi, everyone. My name is Marcus. And uh, yeah, some of you guys already know me because you go to my campus. My name is Marcus Corpening. I'm the campus pastor at New Philly Itaewon. And so, yeah, how many people have ever been to New Philly Itaewon before? Okay, all right, a couple people. You've seen my face before. I look a little different because, you know, it's November, so I'm kind of growing out a beard. <laughs> so it's like first time beard ever. Well, not like beard like this. And so, you know, I, I want to say... KU is like officially like my favorite campus. Like I was on I was on staff at at Emmaus at Yonsei when there, when there was no SNU, there was no KU, there was just Yonsei. And then uh, this is my first time here to KU, and uh, it's really crazy because now this may sound like a very fickle reason why KU is like my favorite campus, but okay. So I went to the bathroom right in in. Some of you guys are going to be like, oh, I don't know what he's talking about. He seems a little weird. That's fine. Just get over yourself. It'll be okay. Um, I, went to, I went to the bathroom, right? And I walk in the bathroom down here, and it's like some of the lights are on, but the lights over the stalls are off. And I'm, like, looking for, I'm looking for switches everywhere because I'm like, I'm not going to use the bathroom in the dark. Like, that just has, like, that is a formula for bad things. And so I was just like, Oh my gosh, I'm like hitting all the switches. Nothing's happening. I'm like, I'm like hitting switches. I'm cutting the water on. I'm doing everything I can to try and cut these lights on. And then I'm like, <sighs> I was thinking like, I'll just call for an ajushi. But then I was like, nah, that makes it public. Then it's really embarrassing. Like, and I don't even speak Korean that well. So I'm like, ajushi, hwajangshi, light. You know, but I, I was like, okay, I'm a man. I'm not afraid of the dark. It's fine. It's going to be fine. And so I walk in the bathroom and I'm like, I'm like, so like annoyed. I take off my jacket. I close the stall door. And then as soon as I turn it, the light cuts on. I was like, this is awesome. Jesus is with me. Like, yeah. I was, I was, I was like in that little stall. Like, yeah. Oh, yes. Hmm. I was like, man, tonight's going to be powerful because the light cut on. <laughs> and then in, in worship, I felt the Lord whisper to me that sometimes we try to get into a crowded small space and deal with our crap in our lives. And we try to deal with it in the dark. You know what I'm saying? I know you guys got some things in your life that you've been trying to hide and been trying to keep to yourself and deal with yourself in a very small space where no one will know and no one will see. But how many of you guys know that even there, the light's on? Even there, when you're trying to deal with your stuff, the stuff that's inside of you that no one can see and you're trying to get rid of it without no one knowing like I was. <laughs> even then, the light's on. The Bible says that God is light. Jesus is the light. He sees even there. He sees even with the stuff that's happening, what you think is in the dark. It's just because you can't see that the light's on. 
I know that was for somebody. That's not what I'm preaching on. I, I want to tell you a few things about myself. I am I'm 28 years old. I know I don't look it. I know I look like I'm like 21, you know, 22. Okay, I can face reality. I, I look 28. Uh, but I, I'm from North Carolina. I'm from America, North Carolina, born and raised. Um, and I came to I came to Korea in 2007 as an exchange student, actually. I was an exchange student at Yonsei. God radically transformed my life in the four, five months I was there. Like, I came in, and I, I was like, I had only knew Christ for about six months. I'd only been a Christian in a short period of time. I was clubbing, and then I would go to large group. And then I go to the club and then I go to the prayer meeting because, you know, I wanted people to think I was a good Christian. Then I go back to the bars and then I come back out and I was doing all that back and forth, back and forth until I really encountered Jesus. And once I encountered him for real, for real, like how some of you guys encountered him last weekend, I heard I heard it was crazy for some of y'all. It was cray cray. You know, when I encountered Jesus for real. Things in my life had to change because you cannot encounter Jesus and not change. It's impossible. It's impossible to encounter Jesus and not change. You encounter him once you change. Satan will come and say nothing changed. You're still the same. You're still just as jacked up as you were. No, 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 no. You have changed. You just need to recognize that you have changed. I got this jacket yesterday, and then as soon as I walked in, Eunice looks at me, and she's like, you need a K and a Korea and a Mayus on the back. And then she was like, you look like a, a KU poser. <laughs> I was like, thank you for honoring me as soon as I walked through the door. No, Eunice is awesome. She's been praying for you, sowing into your life. I know the, the Mayus staff here, they're so awesome and been praying for you. So, um, yeah, even though she called me a poser, She's still all right. I want to talk to you guys about the presence of God tonight. I want to talk to you about the presence of God. If you're taking notes, and some of you are, some of you aren't, and that's okay. It's fine. You just don't take notes. You won't remember what I said. That's fine. I'm not offended. Not offended. Okay, I'm offended. I'm going to talk to you about it later. It's called omnipresence omnipresence omnipresent means that god is god is omnipresent meaning that god is everywhere he sees everything he has all knowledge he is present everywhere but when i'm talking about omnipresence i'm talking about the tangible manifestation of god's presence him when you encounter him how many people were at the lighted up retreat this past weekend okay so some of you guys were there and some of you weren't and I know for you guys that were there, you experienced or you even if you didn't personally see it, you saw people experience the presence of God. But God wants all of us to experience him. Christianity is not about rules and regulations. Christianity is about leading you to an experience. So many people say, well, I've been a Christian my whole life. I went to church my whole life. I read the Bible sometime. I pray sometime. But if none of that leads you to an experience with God. What's the point? See, Jesus came as a man. He walked the earth as a man and he died on the cross, not just so you could come to Tuesday night. 
but so you can have an experience with him. That every single day of your life would be characterized by an experience. Some of you are like, man, this got serious real quick. When he first started talking, I liked to do with the beard. Now he's getting into some stuff. God wants you to experience him. He wants you to experience him and not just at a retreat, but every day of your life. Every day to have an encounter with the living God. Omnipresence. I want you to, if you have a Bible or you got a smartphone with a Bible app, that's cool. That's all right. I don't hate you. I want you to turn to Exodus 33. I'm going to read from verses 14 to 19. We're going to have a good time tonight. And uh, Exodus 33, verses 14 to 19. Man, God, God, he loves you so much and he desires for you to encounter him. He desires for you to know his presence. He desires for you to experience him. You there? If you're not there, I want you to just look alongside the person next to you. Exodus 33:14 to 19. And he said, this is God speaking to Moses. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, this is Moses speaking back to God. If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For, for how shall it be? How shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight? I and your people. Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct? I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing you have spoken, I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, please show me your glory. And he said, this is God speaking to Moses. He says, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy mercy let me pray for us everyone just close your eyes holy spirit we welcome you here in this place holy spirit we ask that you would fill this place i ask that you would glorify jesus here in this place that you would touch us in a powerful way tonight god I pray, Father, that you would you would move in such a way, Lord, in which each and every one of us would walk away experiencing your presence. God, for those who have had a taste this past weekend, God, I pray that they would they would get more, God, that they would want more and they would experience more of you tonight, God. For those who were not there and those who have never experienced your presence before, God, I pray that tonight, God, they would experience you if for the first time. So, Holy Spirit, we just invite you here in this place. We know that you love to be with us. So would you break through all lies, break through all deception, break through our hardened hearts and give us understanding of your heart for us. In Jesus name. Amen. Now I want you to pray. 
before I get into this word, I want you to pray. And I want you to pray. It says in the Bible, it says, lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. You know, one, I, I realized when I, when I came by here at Korea University, it's got a really famous gate. Like, it's got, like, this really nice gate. Like, I don't know what it's called, where it is, but as soon as I saw it, I was like, man, it's so beautiful. Do you know what I'm talking about? The front, it's like the front gate or whatever. What gate is it? Is it the main camp- campus gate? Yeah, I guess it's the main gate, the, the front gate, the nice front gate. Okay, cool. And uh, actually, you know, Korea University was was founded in 1905, and the the founders, even the the first president, Korea got into a lot, Korea University got into some economic problems, and then the the president over it that brought it back to a place where it was stable was a Confucian, meaning that there was idolatry over this campus, and so this campus is very different than like Yonsei that was formed by Christians. This campus was formed by idolatry formed by people who did not know Jesus did not want to to proclaim the name of Jesus and so whenever that happens it sets up a gate it sets up a stronghold over a campus and and not only that but in our lives sometimes we have gates we have doors we have ancient doors things that have been set up in our heart for a long time that keep us from encountering God and so what I want us to do real quick we're going to pray and I want you to just pray simple prayer say God Open up the gates in my heart. Open up any doors that may be inside of me that are keep that's they keep me from experiencing you tonight. Okay, we we ready? We all gonna pray? Let's do this. Let's pray. Father, I just pray for every person in this room, God, that Lord, that every gate, every door in their hearts, Lord, would be made wide open, God, and that Lord, that every work of the enemy, God, would be completely broken, God, and that Lord, that Your glory would come in, God. Lord, I just pray, Father, that every gate. Every door in our minds and our hearts, God, will be made wide open tonight, God, that the King of glory may come in. Jesus, it says in your word to lift up our heads and to be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory, that you would come in. And so, Lord, I just speak right now over your sons and daughters, every door, every gate in our heart being made wide open right now. Everything, God, that may have hindered us, something that may have happened even today or this past week, God, that may be hindering us, Lord, I just command to come wide open right now in the name of Jesus that the King of glory may come in. You are the Lord, strong and mighty. You are the Lord, mighty in battle. And so, Lord, we welcome you to come into our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now we're ready to go. We ready? Be ready. Turn to the person next to you. Get in their presence. Get in their face and say, I'm ready. Come on. Oh, come, y'all, y'all didn't do it over here. I'm watching y'all. Come on. Say, I'm ready. I will call you out. I am bold. Okay. Exodus 33, 15 and 19. I want to give you some context to this passage. Moses is the prophet. Moses is the man that God has set apart. Moses is the man that God has called. And When we encounter Jesus, we are people that God has called. We are people that he has set apart. We are people that God wants to encounter. And Moses, in this this passage in Exodus 33, he is encountering God on a mountaintop. He has climbed the mountain to meet God. Now, I know that it was probably a walk for you to get here, but it's not like climbing a mountain, right? 
you didn't climb up and you just had to jump over rocks and boulders and fight stuff to get here. You didn't have to do any of that. But Moses, he had to climb a mountain to meet God. And so he has this encounter with God on this mountaintop. And at the top of this mountaintop, he has this encounter with God and God comes before him with his presence. How many of us have ever been to a retreat before and had a mountaintop experience? It's like where we're in love with Jesus more than we've ever been in love with Jesus. It's where we know Jesus more than we've ever known him before. And it's like, yay, that's the one retreat, the Saturday night at the retreat. It's always Saturday night. Like never Friday night, always Saturday night, you know, where you have that one mountaintop experience. Maybe it wasn't at a retreat. Maybe it was when you first encountered God and it was like, man, Jesus, you're so awesome. You're so amazing. You're so off the hook. You're off the heezy. I love you. I almost said for sheezy. You're awesome. God, I love you so much. And I'm on the mountaintop. But then it seems like after the mountaintop experience, we have. We have to come down and real life hits. And the fact that I still got to eat kimbap and lamyun every day hits. The fact that I got exams tomorrow hits. The fact that I got people around me that don't like me hits. The fact that I look in the mirror and I don't like what I see hits. All these different things start to hit us right in the face, right after our mountaintop experience. See, Moses is at the top of the mountain and he's looking at God face to face and it's like, man, come on. This is awesome. But then Moses understands that God doesn't just want him to have a mountaintop experience. God doesn't just want him to have this. Ooh, I love your presence, man. We're so close. Jesus, man, I'm going to sing all the Christian songs right now until I get off the mountaintop and then I'm singing K-pop again. I love G-Dragon. No, but Moses encounters Jesus. He encounters God on the mountaintop and he says, check it out. I don't just want to be with you up here. Not only that, but God looks at Moses and says, Moses, you're encountering me on this mountaintop. You're having this mountaintop high, but I don't want to just encounter you up here. My presence wants to go with you. See, many of us have been fed a lie that you're going to your Christian life is like this. You're going to have highs and you're going to have lows and then you're going to have highs again and then you're going to have lows. But the Bible says that we go from glory to glory. The Bible says that we go from mountaintop to mountaintop to mountaintop to higher and higher and higher and higher. Some of you thinking, I don't think that's possible. But God wants you to. To experience his presence more and more and more. He doesn't want you to just have a mountaintop experience. He wants his presence to go with you wherever you go. You know, God says it in Hebrews 13, 5. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God says, I will never leave you. I will never leave you i'll never leave you know every time you know i think nowadays all the music they just pick up off of god because every love song is all about never leaving you or why did you leave me (laughs) you know when i was when i was in a maya student i came here because of a girl okay i came to korea because of a girl okay and then when we broke up all the songs i listened to was like how could you leave me when we, when we were together, all the songs I listened to was, I will never leave you. But God says, 
I will never leave you. For most of us, that's our biggest fear is that we're going to sin. We're going to do something wrong. We're going to mess up or we have messed up and God's left us. But God, he says, listen, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you no matter what you do. He, He sings that love song all the time. It's on repeat in his mind. In God's iPhone, it is constantly circulating that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And that's talking about his presence. I want to tell you three things about his presence, okay? Three things. We can remember three, right? You guys are college students, right? You can remember three? No, you can't remember three? Okay, we got to pray for you guys. Okay, three things. Let's look at verse 14. He says, and he said, my presence will go with you. Where my water bottle go? My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. The first thing that the presence of God does is it gives rest. Thank you. Okay, so I know I don't look it right, but I'm a big nerd. <laughs> you know, I know I don't look it at all, right? Right? Somebody affirm me. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Tough crowd, tough crowd. I read I read in this uh, there was a study done by this university called Johns Hopkins in America. It's one of the top universities in the world. Uh, Turns out KU is one of the top universities in the world. You know, in law, KU ranks 12th in the world. That's cray cray. That is crazy. I didn't even know it. KU is one of the top universities in the world at Johns Hopkins. They did this study. They did this study where they had um, they did a study with some children. And so what they did was they had their mothers when they were 12 month, 12 month old, the, the mothers took their 12 month old child and they brought them into this lab that looked like a playroom. It had toys and everything. And then the mother left, right? The mother left the room and then the mother left for a couple hours, sometimes left the child all alone with the toys, sometimes with a stranger in the room. And then the mother waited for about two hours. Right. The mother waited for two hours and then the mother comes back in the room. The child, you know, is playing. Some children are crying. You know, you know, I know when you guys were there, you were strong. You would never have cried as a little kid when your parents left the room. Me, I'd have been bawling. I'd have been just crying. But what happens is they were studying the responses of the children when the mother walks back in the room. So when the mother walks back in the room, there's some children that ran to the mom like, oh, oh my, you know, and they're just they're just hugging. And then other children, they lashed out like they're 12 month old. They're like, I don't know how you you get angry when you're only one year old. You're like, <laughs> but some kids, they lashed out. Some kids, they turned away. They completely ignored their mother's presence. Some of them fell on the ground and just like rolled around in the ground as soon as they saw the mother come in. And then they and then what they did was they they started to ask the mother questions about the mother's interactions with the child. Like, because they're trying to figure out why are some kids really strong? They love their mother. They're just, oh, yeah. And they call these children secure attachment children. The other kids that lashed out or fell on the ground or rolled around or cried or got depressed or completely ignored the mother's presence, they called them anxiety attachment children. And then they found out when they did some research and asked some questions that The anxiety attachment children were the children that over the course of their life were the kids that 
when they went to when they went to kindergarten, they were known to be the ones that were always distracted, always disorganized, mean, bullies. They did they were not the kids most likely to succeed. Then the other kids that were secure attachment were the ones who had self-control. They took chances. They were bold. They were successful. They went on to live really fruitful lives. And they found out that the key was the child's understanding of their parents' presence. That if this, that if the relationship between the child and the mother was fractured, where the, the child always had this understanding that, no, that whenever they did something wrong or whenever something bad happened, that the parent was going to leave them, that was the kid that always experienced anxiety, always was trying to, to strive, and they were always trying to control, and they were always manipulative. But the other kids who understood that their parent loved them were the kids that were secure. Some of you are like, why is he talking about psychology right now? What I'm trying to get at is because that's like our relationship with God. For many of us, because we've never experienced his presence, because we don't know his, his presence, we're walking around with a ton of anxiety. And so we're thinking, I got to study, study, study to get ahead. I got to do this, this, and this to get ahead. I got to, and then you're wondering why your emotions are always so jacked up, why your friendships are jacked up, why whenever you always seem to date people that are crazy. I remember when I, in my relationships, I went to my mom after I was very promiscuous before I met the Lord, before I encountered his presence. And I, and I remember I went to my mom and I was like, mom, I'm tired of this. And she's like, what? And she's like, I keep dating girls that are crazy. <laughs> Every girl I date is crazy. They're all crazy. And my mom looks at me and she just goes, Marcus, I'm just wondering. I was like, yeah, you're all crazy. He's like, who is the common person in each one of those relationships? <laughs> um, th- that they're crazy? And she's like, I don't think so. See, my father left me when I was a baby. I grew up never knowing my father until I was 15. And then he was only around for two years and then he left. And then even when I became a Christian, I still had this anxiety attachment towards God. Because I never knew my father's presence. It made it really hard for me to ever even understand God's presence. And so I constantly live my life anxious, constantly walking around, trying my best to succeed. But the truth of the matter is, is once you experience God's presence, it gives you rest. And the, the crazy thing about this word rest, it doesn't just mean like going to sleep. As some of you may be right now. It means to be perfectly in the place where you're supposed to be. That's what the word rest in Hebrew actually means. When you experience the presence of God, it assures you that you are exactly where you're supposed to be. Some of us, because we haven't experienced his presence, we don't know his presence. We're constantly going back and forth. Is this right? Is this right? Is this right? And we're filled with so much anxiety. But when we experience his presence, we know we're exactly where we're supposed to be to be the second thing about his presence i want you to look at verse 15 and 16 moses says to god if your presence will not go with me don't bring us up from here meaning that if i don't have your presence god i'm not going anywhere for how shall it be known that i have found favor in your sight i and your people the presence of god gives favor 
You know what favor is? Favor is when God opens doors and creates supernatural things for you that no one else could do. I know many of you, you guys, you guys have big dreams and big things you want to do, but it seems like everything gets shut down or it seems like as hard as you try, it can't happen. You know why? Because you need favor. But the only way that you get favor is through the presence of God. See, he says, how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight? I and your people. It's interesting that Moses says found favor. That's because you got to find favor. And in order to find favor, you've got to seek favor. How many of you guys seek favor from God? How many of you guys go to your prayer closet and pray, God, I need favor. God, I need help. I need favor with my professor. This professor hates me. God, I need favor in my relationships. I need favor with my family. My family doesn't know God or my, my family's constantly fighting. God, I need favor in my family. See, if you want favor, you have to seek favor. And how do you seek favor? By seeking his presence. You know, when Jesus got baptized, Jesus got baptized in the Jordan River. And he got brought out. And then it says that the spirit of the Lord came upon Jesus like a dove. That doesn't mean a dove came out of heaven and just laid on Jesus's shoulder. It meant that the spirit of God came upon him gently and then a voice came from heaven and said this is my son whom i love on whom my favor rests see when the presence of god comes it starts to give you favor i became a christian my senior year in college now before that time my relationships with my professors were not good you know they they did not like me and i didn't even have a beard back then but All of a sudden, when I became a Christian and all of a sudden I began to seek after God's presence. And then even professors that weren't Christian started to give me favor. Even people that did not like me started to like me. I don't know how what happened. I don't know how it happened. But God began to open up doors for me. Crazy doors that no man could shut. Then when I came to Korea, as before I became a pastor, I worked at a hagwon. Right. I worked at a hagwon. I was teaching little kids and they were always just like acting crazy. And I had to quit my job to go to seminary here in Korea. But when I tried to quit my job, what happened was I went to my employer. I said, I need to quit. You know, God is calling me to go to seminary. I need to quit. Okay. Nah. You know, and he looks at me and he says, if in order for you to quit, you need to pay three thousand dollars. What? Like that's I don't know. That's three million won. He's like, you need to pay this much money to quit. And I'm like, wait, where did this money come? It was I got here for free. Like, how did I have to pay this much money? And he said, well, you need to pay for your plane ticket to Korea. You need to pay for the person who recruited you to come to Korea and you need to pay for the person who replaces you and you need to pay for our our, you know, all this pain and suffering you're causing us to have to find someone else. And I'm walking around like this is evil. You know, I'm so angry. I'm like, I'm supposed to do this. And I was like, okay, you know, and then I leave. And then I go and I start praying and myself and my and Pastor Christian, we start praying and we're praying and we're praying. And we're like, God, we need you to move. 
next day, we, that was that night. The next day we go in, I'm like, have you reconsidered? And the, the director of my, my academy says, you need, you need to talk to the new director. Wait, what? No, uh, headquarters called, and they're calling me to go back to headquarters, so we're bringing in a new director starting tomorrow. So you need to talk to the new director. What? I, I didn't understand him. I, he had to keep explaining. You need to talk to the new director. <laughs> you know? I was, okay. The new director comes in the next day. I tell him my situation. I tell him that you guys are trying to take all my money. I don't want to just eat kimbap and lamia in my whole life. I'm already skinny as is. Like, I don't, you know? Like, it's not good. And so I tell him my situation, and he looks at me, and he says, you know, the plane ticket, don't worry about it. The fee to recruit someone, don't worry about it. Uh, the, our pain and suffering, don't worry about it. <laughs> okay, you worked for us for seven months, so let's just do simple math, and we'll, we'll, you pay the fraction, like so, you know, five over 12, of your plane ticket. So it ended up being about six, seven hundred bucks. I went from three thousand bucks to only paying seven hundred. Then he said, plus all the teachers that are gonna have to take your shift because you're quitting, we will pay them overtime. So not only did I get favor, but everyone else got favor. <laughs> Why? The presence of God. The presence of God was so thick when I was sitting with him, I wanted to start crying. Like before he even spoke. I said, God, you're here. I could tell because God wants to give you favor. Isaiah 30, 15 says he longs to be gracious with you. You know, God wants to give you favor. God wants to bless you. God wants to do it. But you got to seek his presence. You got to say, God, I want your presence more than anything. You want to go into entertainment? You got to seek his presence can't do it on your own you want to go into into the medical field you got to seek his presence you can't just try and do it on your own you'll find yourself anxious burnt out and mad at god and god's like whoa whoa why are you mad at me you try to do it on your own of course you can't do it on your own jesus said apart from me you can do nothing you need his presence the last thing and this one's my favorite you know, if I'm excited, you guys should be excited. Verse 16. After Moses asks, how shall I be known that I found favor in your sight? I and your people is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct. I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. Moses says, if you don't, you need to come with us, God, because when your presence comes with us, it makes us different. See, the presence of God is the one thing that makes you unique in the earth. See, when I came to Korea, I thought I was unique because I'm black. You know, so I got on the subways and the ajumas would look at me. And ajumas in Korea, they just stare like you'll look back and you think like, I'm going to make them stop. And then they just look back and You know, I came to Korea. When I first came to Korea, I thought, you know, oh, I'm so different because of the way I look. Then I thought I'm, I'm different because of the way I dress. And then as I walked down the street, I saw other black people. 
And I was like, well, I guess I'm not that different because of the way I look. Oh, then it was like the way I dress. But in Korea, everyone wears the same thing. You know, everyone shops at Giordano. <laughs> you know, your fashion, I know your fashion is awesome. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. You guys look great. But there's someone else who dresses like you do. Oh, I thought, oh, maybe it's because of the way I, it's, maybe it's because of my intelligence, but then I met someone smarter than me. Oh, maybe I thought it was because of my personality. Then I met someone who was more engaging than me. And I was like, this is wild. I don't think that's possible. But I met someone that, who had a, diff- a personality just like mine, even like better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, and then I realized, you know what? I'm just like everyone else. You know, I think our generation, we suffer from this comparison mentality, you know, because on Facebook and Instagram, everyone puts forth the best versions of their life. It's like, oh, the flowers are so great. Instagram. (laughs) And I'm like walking around like, it's dark where I'm walking. How did you even get that photo? I'm in the exact same spot. And so we're walking around constantly comparing ourselves because we're trying to be different. We're trying to be noticed. Really, we're trying to be accepted. That's why we're all trying to be different because we're trying to be accepted. We want someone to look at us and say, man, you're different. I like you. Man, you're different. I accept you. Man, you're, you're, you're smarter than Oh, I accept. And we're looking for someone to accept us. But the only thing that will make you different on this earth is the presence of God. That is the only thing. You may think it's your skill. You may think it's your mind. You may think all these other things, but I want to tell you the truth. It's the presence of God. Because the presence of God cannot be achieved. It can only be given. Money? I got more money. Someone else probably has more money than you. Fame? Someone's got more than that. Friends, someone probably has more than that. The only thing that makes us different is the presence of God. See, when we have the presence of God, what we begin to recognize is not only are we different, not only are we different than anyone else on the earth, but then we have no reason to fear anyone. See, most of us, because we're constantly walking around with this anxiety and walking around with this desire to please and this desire to be different, we're walking around afraid of the people around us. What, what are they thinking? Are they judging me? What are they thinking? Are they going to attack me? What are they thinking? 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 But when you have the presence of God, you don't fear what anybody thinks. Romans 8 says, if God is for me, who can be against me? If God is for me, if God is with me, who can be against me? That means that when I have the presence of God, I don't care what anyone thinks. When I have the presence of God, I have favor. I have peace. I have rest. I have everything. Plus, I'm different. Man, I got the whole. I got all of it. Romans 8. I want you to turn there. Romans 8. See, what I'm trying to get at when I talk about the presence of God making you different 
it means it makes you so different in a way in which it changes the way that you even look at life. It changes the way that you even look at people. No longer do people become things that can take advantage of you, people that can attack you, people that you need to fear, or people that you need to please. But because you know that God is with you, you're able to live the way God wants you to live. Romans eight thirty one to 32. I want you to just look there. It says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for me, if God is with me, who can be against me? Skip down to verse 35. What, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Let's talk about who shall separate us from his presence. Shall tribulation, hardship, distress, stress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, Verse 37 says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor the angels, nor rulers, nothing in the present, nor things to come, nor powers, neither height nor depth, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. When you have the presence of God with you, nothing can come against you. Psalm 23 is one of the most famous passages. David says, even though I walk through the valley of a shadow of death, even though I'm walking through the valley. And on the shadow of death, that means that I'm walking through a place where on the other side, I know that everything bad could happen in my life. It seems like all my my hardship is just leaning over me. It seems like everything in my life is so is just careening over me and I'm in the shadow of death. Even though I walk through that hardship, I don't fear any evil. Why? For you are with me. For you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. See, the presence of God is so strong and mighty. It says, he says, he says, even in the presence of my, you make a banqueting table. You make a table to eat food in the presence of my enemies. The presence of God is so strong in my life that I can go before people that hate me and I can enjoy what you've given me, God. So many times when people come against us, we completely lose sight of God. We say, God, why have you forsaken me? But when you know the presence of God is there, it's a, you can enjoy what God's given you, even with your enemies right there, even with everything coming against you. I want to share a, a, a few stories real quick before I close. In 2009, I went to Myanmar. Um, Myanmar, it's also called Burma, and it's a country in Southeast Asia. And when we went in 2009, it was still a closed country, meaning that that there was still conflict going on. There was still war going on. And we went to a certain area where they told foreigners not to go in, in Burma and Myanmar. And before we went, some of the people on our team had gotten dreams and gotten visions about this one particular service. And they said that in that service, there were going to be some violent men. Now, that's a little crazy, right? Like, there was this girl, woman in our church. She's one of our pastors. And she came up to me right before we left on the trip. And she said, Hey, Marcus, how's it going? I said, hey, how's it going, Mina? She's one of our pastors. And she said, I had this dream about you the other day. And I was like, 
Uh, yeah. She's like, yeah, you were standing up on this, uh, you were standing up on this platform, and it was like a wedding, but I didn't see the bride, but you were, it was like a wedding, and then these violent men came into the service with swords, and they ripped you, and they brought you down off the, off the platform, and they ripped your guts out, and it was really bloody and really crazy. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and she's like, okay, bye. I was like, what? And then our team was in prayer about this one particular place uh, called Pinluin in, in Myanmar. And one of the girls in our group's like, I feel like this place is going to be like a wedding. And I'm like, what? And then our team leader's like, Marcus, I want you to preach there. I was like, what are you talking about? And then another guy in our group, he's like, he's like, oh, I just got a clear vision from God right now. And he's like, this place, I just, I think we need to pray. Cause I see some violent men coming into the service and taking over the service. And I'm like, what is going on? I got to preach there. Violent men are going to come and rip my guts out. Like, this is not good. Everyone's like, hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is going to be awesome. Oh, oh. And I'm like, no, no guys. No, no. Wake up. Wake up. This is bad. This is bad. I'm going to die. We go through the trip, and we're in an awesome, powerful trip. We see the fire of God. We see miracle signs and wonders. We see people get healed of things that they'd been suffering with their entire life. And just to prove that they got healed, we went back two years later, and the people were still saying that they were completely healed. So God was moving. But in the middle of the trip, we have to go up this mountain, right, to this place, Pinluin. And we ride up the mountain, and and it's just like, it's like the suckiest trip ever in this van. We've got 10 people in a van that should fit four. And it's like, and then plus, I know this is the place where I'm supposed to go die. So I'm like, this is not a happy trip. I don't know what road trips you've ever been on. You don't want to be on a road trip where at the end, you know, someone's going to come in and rip your guts out. So I was there. And then at the beginning, at the service, I'm like, oh my goodness, I know I need to preach. So I, I get up and I preach and I preach on the knowledge of God knowing God, experiencing God. And we do an altar call. And and in the altar call, as we're praying for people, people, God's presence is so thick. God's presence is so powerful. And then these two guys come into the service, completely drunk, completely like their faces angry. And we're praying for people. And I look in the corner of my eye and I see them. And I'm like, you know what? You know, I'm thinking like, okay, if, if he comes here, I'm going to go up here and, you know, I'm going to try some, like some Kung Fu or something. I watch some old DVDs, but, and, but we, we start praying for people and people are falling out in the presence of God. The presence of God is so thick in the room. Like people are weeping under his presence. People are crying under his presence. People are falling there. Like all these things are happening in the presence of God. And these two men, they walk up. And I'm thinking, these are my enemies. These men are trying, they're going to try to hurt me. But as soon as they walk up, these two drunk guys, they walk up and they ask for prayer. And I lay hands on them and the power of God comes on them so strong and they fall to the ground. And they're weeping and weeping and they're rolling around saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Even though I walk the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me 
you prepared a banqueting table for me in the presence of my enemies. Even my enemies ended up worshiping God. In two th- here's another story in 2000, I think it was 11, we sent a team to Nepal. And I think Eunice was on that team. And they go to Nepal, and they go to this one service, and they go to this one service, and some of the pastors there are not open to this whole presence of God thing. And so they do their first service, and these pastors are trying to prevent people from, like, receiving prayer because they're like, this is not right. This is not right, you know. And and the team, like, you know, they don't start, like, you know, fighting the pastors or anything. They just pray and a- ask God. And then the next service, they they ask for God's presence to come. They ask for his rain, his presence to come and fill the place. And as they wait and wait, these pastors are sitting in the back the whole time. They're watching all this happen. All of a sudden, the presence of God comes and it fills the room. And people all over start experiencing the supernatural manifestation of God's presence. And it's crazy. Like People are getting healed. People are getting delivered. People's lives are changing because of God's presence. And at the end, these pastors who hated the ministry they were doing walk up to them and thank them. Man, we did not know. See, because when the presence of God is with you, they recognize something about this group of people. It's different. When the presence of God is with you, those drunk men that walked in, they looked at me and they said, oh, something about this guy is different. See, God wants you to walk around KU and people look at you and say something about you is different. For people to look at you and say something about you is different. Not that you're just someone who walks by and no one ever notices you, but there's something about you that's different. And that's his presence. Let's all stand up.